I appreciate the children helping us this morning. Don't you thank them for helping pass out these <laughs> gifts. They're such a joy. And we appreciate all the people who take care of them and, and teach them the word. What a blessing it is. What a blessing. This morning is our third installment in a 10-part series that I've entitled Homeland Security, Protecting Your Home in the War Against the Family. Today's message is a mama's mission. How appropriate the title because it's Mother's Day. It's no accident I'm preaching this message today because I want to encourage you mothers as you seek to accomplish God's call on your life. It has been said that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Wow. Just think about the influence that mothers have on the shaping of their children. The influence they have in leading their boys and girls to become strong, productive men and women. Certainly all good mothers want to influence their children in this way. When children grow up, they begin to realize the degree to which their mother sacrificed in order for them to become mature adults. Have you noticed when people achieve some milestones in their lives or they reach some of those goals they've been aiming for, many times they think about their mothers. I know it used to be kind of a tradition in watching football, the NFL, uh, that uh, when a touchdown was scored or someone made a big play and the camera focused on that individual, uh, they would look into the camera and they would say, Hi, Mom. Because at the moment of great achievement, we tend to think about our mothers and what a sacrifice they made to get us to the place where we could actually accomplish some things in life. Mothers, with that in mind, I want to ask you to make a mental list. Right now, make a mental list of all the things that you hope your children will achieve. Perhaps you may have some things on your list like prosperity, popularity, athleticism, intelligence, fame, power, and prestige. But I would hope that at the very top of that list, you would have the word godly. Because that's the most important thing you possibly could ever do is to raise children that turn out to be godly men and women. To borrow a statement from the scriptures, what would it profit your children if they should gain the whole world and lose their own souls? Mothers, I want to challenge you to use your influence to make an eternal impact on your children. Since you have the greatest potential to shape their lives, I urge you to make your life count. In other words, your greatest mission in life is to pass along your faith to your children. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5, I'm going to ask you to turn to that passage in just a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5, the Apostle Paul is speaking to a young preacher by the name of Timothy. He's the understudy to the Apostle Paul. He encourages him to stand strong in difficult times. 
And he reminds him that he can do that because of his faith. Faith that has been passed along from his grandmother to his mother and now is within him. And here is a good example of what it means to pass along our faith to our children. So I want us to look at this passage a little closer this morning and talk about how mothers can pass along their faith to their children. Now you say, well, what about fathers? Well, we're going to be getting to fathers on Father's Day. Certainly they play a very important role in the family. And we need to give great attention to our fathers. But this morning, we're going to be focusing on our mothers, a mama's mission. What is your mission? It's to influence your children in the ways of the Lord. It's to raise godly men and women. Now, I want to say this at the very onset. Just because you do everything within your power to accomplish that goal does not necessarily guarantee that your children will always do what's right. Sometimes, even under the best of circumstances, your children will make some bad decisions. And unfortunately, some of them will walk away from the faith. But what we're saying this morning is it's important that you do everything within your power to bring about life change in your children. And when you do that, you've done everything you can do, and you turn them over to God and let God deal with them. So let's begin to look this morning at a mama's message, how you can pass along your faith to your children. First of all, I want to say that if you're going to give your children faith, if you're going to pass it along to them, you have to embrace faith yourself. You have to have embraced the faith. Notice with me, if you would, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, as I read this verse of Scripture, for I am mindful... Paul says to Timothy, of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that is in you as well. Here Paul compliments Lois and Eunice. These are the two most influential people in Timothy's life, his grandmother and his mother. They were faithful, godly women, and they influenced their son, Timothy. And now he is a man of faith. Now, you may be asking, well, what about Timothy's father? Where was he? Well, he's not mentioned in this passage. We do read a reference to him in the book of Acts. You don't have to turn there, but I want to read for you Acts chapter 16, verse 1. And here the Bible says, Paul came also to Derbe and Lystra. And the disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. By implication here, this man did not know the Lord. He was not a man of faith, or at least his faith was not mentioned at all. So we assume that he had no bearing on the faith of his son, Timothy. So we have to say, thank God He worked through a grandmother and a mother to instill faith within this child that now is a man of God. You may be a single mother here this morning, and it's very difficult for you. Or perhaps even a single father, and this would apply to you as well. 
And you wonder, how can I possibly raise a godly child or godly children? I want you to know when you follow the directives of the Lord and the power of the Spirit with a prayerful life, you can make an impact on your children that will bring about their transition from lostness to salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus. So you can take courage in knowing that. This is one example. But you have to embrace the faith yourself. And here's why. You cannot give away something you do not possess. You cannot hand down faith if you do not, first of all, embrace the faith on your own. And you may be wondering, well, how do I do that? Well, if you're going to embrace the faith, you first of all must acknowledge you're a sinner. I know for some of us, that's kind of difficult, isn't it? We don't like to, to talk about our sin. We, we tend to uh, point out the sins of others and magnify them and minimize our own sinfulness. But the reality is we are all sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says it this way, for all we like sheep have turned our own way. You see, we have gone our own way. We've turned away from God. Romans tells us there is none good, no, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short. So we're all sinners. We've missed God's mark of perfection. As a matter of fact, the Bible many times when speaking of sin talks about transgression. Talks about missing the mark. And the idea is of an archer who has a bow and arrow and is aiming for a target. And every time he releases the arrow, it falls short of the target. What is the target? It is God's standard perfection. It's God's holiness. You see, the God, the one true and living God, the God of the Bible, creator God, is holy, just, and pure in all of his ways. His very character, his very nature is that he is holy. He hates all sin. All sin is an act of defiance against holy God. And we as human beings, we fall short because we're sinners by nature. There's something within us that has a bent towards sin. Give us, a, uh, give us a, enough opportunity, we will sin because we're sinners in nature. We are living in a state of sin. But we choose to sin, and that means we're sinners in practice. And as I mentioned, sin is an act of defiance against holy God. And there's only one who can bring about a transformation in our lives, and that is God himself. But we, first of all, must acknowledge our sinfulness. I wonder this morning, as you sit there and listen to this message, would you acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a Savior? Well, that's a start, but that's not the way, that's not the finish. That's not where you ultimately wind up. That's just the beginning. You have to acknowledge you're a sinner. But if you're going to embrace the faith, you also must believe that Jesus is the Savior. Because only God could bring about restoration of lost humanity with holy God. There had to be an intervention. It is God who intervened by sending His Son. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. So God intervened in our lostness by sending his son, the Lord Jesus, who lived without sin, tempted just the way you and I are tempted, but never once did he yield to the temptation. And the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin for us. 
And so Jesus, the sinless, perfected son of the living God, came and lived among us, among human beings. Tempted as we are, but without sin. And then willingly he was sacrificed on Calvary's cross, bearing our sin penalty, which is death. While Jesus was on the cross, God the Father judged your sins and my sins. And friend, let me tell you, that's enough to make a Baptist want to shout. I'm telling you. To know that Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for my sin and your sin. So you won't have to. Jesus stood in our place, was crucified on the cross. He died there and then was placed in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, he was raised by the power of the Holy Spirit from the dead Ensuring that all who will by faith trust Jesus to be their Savior will be cleansed of their sins, forgiven of those sins, placed in a right relationship with God, be given eternal life and become heirs to a kingdom. That is made, amen, we should thank the Lord. Let's praise the Lord for that. Amen. By the way, it doesn't hurt this preacher if you say amen, I want you to know. So we must believe in Jesus. So acknowledge you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is the Christ who died for you and rose again, who will save you. If by faith you'll trust him. And then you surrender your life to Christ. You have to say, Lord, I give you my life. I'm depending on you to save me. I trust you. I have faith in you that you will save me. If I yield to you, and so you yield your life to Christ, you say, Lord, here I am, I give you myself. Now, many of us, we want to clean up our act a little bit before we come to the Lord. We say, well, I'm going to try harder. Uh, I'm going to try to quit cussing and, and uh, drinking and running around and, and misbehaving. I'm going to try to do better, and then, then I'll ask God to save me. It doesn't work that way. The Bible says that, that a leper cannot change its spots and you cannot change your life on your own you you cannot now you may be able to make some improvements but you can never wash away your sinfulness only the blood of Jesus can do that so you have to commit your life to Jesus Christ by saying Lord I'm a sinner I violated your holy commands and I believe Jesus is the Savior And I surrender my life to you. I give you full control. Here I am. Take me, Lord. And I'm telling you, when you do that, the Bible says those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a guarantee. That's how you embrace the faith. I wonder this morning, as you're sitting here and and you're a mother and you want to pass along your faith to the Lord Jesus, let me ask you this question. Do you really have faith? You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have not we prophesied in your name and in your name cast out devils and in your name done many wonderful works. But Jesus said, I will confess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work iniquity. That's a frightening statement. That means you can be religious and lost. So do you truly know the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you truly embraced the faith? Mothers? And dads and single people. If not, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now and say to the Lord Jesus. Would you just bow your head right where you are? You say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. We're supposed to give an invitation at the end. Listen, you may not make it to the end. 
We don't have time, folks. This is urgent. We don't want to wait to the end of the service today. What if the Lord calls you home now? Calls you out of it? What if your heart stops beating? Uh, my parents were attending, years ago, they were attending a funeral service. And the preacher was standing there at the graveside. And he was saying that, folks, I'm telling you, God could call us out any time. And just as he said that, he fell dead. Shook everybody up. I'm just saying we don't know when our time is, so let's not delay. If you need the Lord Jesus Christ, call upon him today with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you acknowledge you're a sinner, believe Jesus is a Savior. And if you're willing to yield your life completely to Christ, tell him now. Cry out to him now for mercy. You can pray a prayer that sounds something like this and pray it from your heart to God's heart. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I deserve death and hell. Sin has separated me from you. But I also know you love me. You sent Jesus Christ to live without sin, to die in my place at Calvary. He shed his blood that I might be washed clean. He died and was raised from the dead that I might be forgiven. And Right now I turn from my sin and self and I surrender my life fully to Jesus. I'm asking you to save me and to receive me as your child. Now give me the strength to live for you and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I welcome you to the family of God. And now you have positioned yourself to be able to pass along your faith. Mothers, if you had a dying child dying from terminal cancer and you possessed the cure to that cancer, would you give that cure to your child? Would you give that medicine to your child? You would, wouldn't you? say, yes, without hesitation. I would give my, that medicine to my child to save his or her life. Let me ask you another question. What if you didn't have the medicine? You see, you can't give away what you don't have. Your children's greatest need... Their greatest need is to be saved. That's their greatest need. That's more than education. That's more than playing ball. That's more than talent. Their greatest need is salvation. But you can't give it away. You can't give salvation away, but you can give knowledge of who Christ is to them and thus pass along your faith to them in that they can respond to that Call to salvation from the Lord and be saved. Your embracing of the faith is essential to being able to influence your children that way. So embrace the faith. And and hopefully some of you have this morning or you've already done that in the past. So you have to embrace the faith before you can pass along. But there's a second thing you must do if you're going to influence your children to be godly men and women. That is to exemplify the faith. You have to exemplify it. Verse 5 tells us that's what the grandmother and the mother of Timothy did. They exemplified. They lived out their faith. 
How do you do that? Well, you exemplify your faith through actions, by the way you conduct yourself, by the way you live your life, by the everyday decisions that you make because your children are watching you. They're watching you much more closely than listening to what you have to say. And we every day have the opportunity to live out our faith before our children. And how do we do that? In practical ways. By the way you treat your spouse. By the way you treat your parents. By your work ethic. By how you conduct your business. By how you treat people who are struggling in life. They don't have it all together. How do you treat them? You see, there are many ways that we can exemplify our faith. And, and I like to say it, it's faith in action. It's putting on display the Lord Jesus Christ through the way we conduct ourselves, the way we behave. And how we believe will determine how we behave. That's why the scripture is so important, isn't it? That's why we study the Bible. That's why you're here this morning primarily is to study the Word of God so that you can know better how to live out your faith. So we exemplify our faith through our actions, but we also exemplify our faith through our attitudes. Did you know our attitude is determined by the way we think? You realize that, don't you? Your attitude is determined by the way you think. If you have thinking... That is askew. Your attitude will be affected. For example. If you are unthankful. What kind of attitude will you have? You'll have an attitude. Where you're bitter. And and upset about everything. Angry. Because you're you're not thankful. If you're a grateful person. If you have. If your thinking is. I am thankful. I am thankful for what God has done. And for how God is working in my life then it will be expressed through a cheerful attitude. So be careful how you think. Be careful what you give your thoughts to. The attitudes you display before your children are very important. Then you exemplify your faith through your appearance. Through your appearance. I'm not talking about putting on more makeup or anything of that sort. I'm certainly not uh, one who can advise you on those things. When I speak about attitude here, I'm not ta- uh, when I speak about appearance here, I'm not talking about uh, the way you wear your hair, hairstyle, or anything of that necessarily. I'm speaking about how you carry yourself. I like what the apostle said over in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. He's talking about how women are to conduct themselves. He's also speaking about men in this passage as well, but we're focusing on mothers this morning. Notice what he says about uh, these women, and, and just to set the context Uh, This was the context of worship. And the women uh, in that day, they were coming with hair braided with gold. They would wear ornaments in their hair, very outlandish costumes. And can you imagine sitting there in a church and uh, the woman in front of you has her hair, it's about three feet high, and and she's got ornaments. It looks like uh, she fell into uh, a tackle box uh, hanging off of her head. Uh, how distracting that would be, and wearing uh, all kinds of jewelry, just gaudy type of an, uh, an appearance. And the Apostle Paul is trying to, to focus these women on something that's more important, that is the heart. And here's what he says. He says, likewise, 
I want women to adorn themselves with uh, with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper, proper for women making a claim to godliness. Now, what he's saying here is that, that women, far more important than the way you dress, is how you live. A heart of godliness, a godly woman. Now, I'm not criticizing women for wanting to look their best. You know, the old saying is, even an old barn needs a new coat of paint every now and then. And I'm not calling you an old barn or saying you need a new coat of paint. Please understand that. But I am saying with all seriousness, I am saying that it's important that you focus on the interior, who you are on the inside and let that come through on the outside. The way you live, the way your actions are displayed, your attitudes and your appearance of a godly character are so important to the raising of your children. Robert Ingersoll was a skeptic who took delight in trying to undermine the Christian faith. He tried to destroy people's faith, especially young people who had not studied the issue. And of course, he didn't give both sides of the argument. One evening, two college students attended one of his lectures. As they left the lecture hall, one commented to the other and said, well, I guess Ingersoll kicked the legs out from underneath the Christian faith. His friend responded by saying, no, he did not. Ingersoll did not explain my mother's life. And until he can explain my mother's life, I will stand with my mother's God. In other words, her life was such an example of godliness that it left an impact upon her son. Now, women, I want you to know I'm not speaking about perfection. You're not going to be perfect. No one is perfect. So if you're not perfect, don't feel like, well, I have failed and I can never recover. Isn't it good to know the grace of God and God's mercy? We all fall every day. But we're talking about living a consistent life of godliness before our children and before others. And when we do that, when we exemplify our faith, it's how we pass it along to our children. So you embrace the faith, you exemplify the faith, and then you explain the faith. In order to to see what I'm talking about, if you would go over to chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. You can just turn the page and find it. And uh, notice here another comment that is made by the Apostle Paul. Let me read it for you. He says, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. Knowing from whom you have learned them. Now he's talking to Timothy. Again, he's speaking to him. He's talking about what he's learned and who he's learned it from. Well, who's he talking about? He's talking about his grandmother and his mother. How they've taught him. He says in verse 15, And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And he goes on and talks about how Scripture is so important to us. But there are three things when it comes to how you explain the faith that I want to suggest to you here this morning. First of all, training in the Word is essential. 
We see that in verses 14 and 15, how that uh, they have taught Timothy from childhood the sacred scripture, the word of God. They had taught him the word of God. When I think about teaching the word of God, my mind goes to Deuteronomy chapter 6. You may want to turn there or just make a note in the margin of your Bibles, Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want to read verses 4 and following here. And here notice how God was instructing his people after he gave them the commands. How they were to implement those commands. How they were to live them out and then to teach them to their children. This is very very important. This is vital. Look in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. This is what we call the Shema. It is speaking about how God is one, but uh, we also know that God is expressed in three distinct personages. We have one God in three persons. Verse 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. He's speaking to parents, right? Every fiber of your being should be in love with the Lord Jesus. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said this, verse 6. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What he's saying here is that we need to live out our faith before our children. And we must make a conscious decision that we're going to teach them the truth. Let me ask you a question. Mothers, if we don't teach our children the truth, who will? Now you think about that. Do you think when you send your children off to the university somewhere that they are going to make a diligent effort to teach them the ways of the Lord? It's not going to happen. In many places, their faith is criticized and undermined. They're persecuted for having faith. So if they don't learn the faith by the time they leave your house, there's a good possibility they will never learn it. And it's our responsibility, and specifically we're saying this morning to mothers, mothers take this responsibility seriously, training your children in the word. I remember my mother as she instilled the scripture in me. She didn't have a degree from college. She was a homemaker. With four children, my dad worked. He was a hard manual worker. He was a farmer and worked in a feed store. And uh, they took us to church. They didn't send us to church. They took us to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And my mother every day would instill the scriptures in me. Much of who I am today, I can credit my parents, and in particular when it comes to theology, my mother, instilling the word of God in me. I doubt I would be a pastor today were it not for her. I'm saying you have the greatest impact 
on your children. And the greatest role you can have is to be a godly mother. It's not to be the president of the United States. It's not to be a pastor or a missionary. It's to be a godly mother. That's what the Apostle Paul actually says here in in the Scriptures. How that uh, uh, over in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. What he's saying is, women, the greatest influence you will have is through your children. What a tremendous role this is. So training in the word, and then there's wisdom that comes from the word. We see that in this passage as well. It says, which is able to give you wisdom. Now, there's a difference in knowledge. You can train your children with knowledge. That's giving them information. But wisdom is the correct use of that knowledge. And so when you teach the scriptures, you're not just giving knowledge, but you're also imparting wisdom to your children because you're not teaching them alone. You have the person, the Holy Spirit at work, teaching your children the word of God. You're not alone. And then there's salvation through the word. 15 goes on and says, verse 15, which are able to give the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. That's how you explain the faith. You teach the word of God. You impart that wisdom to them. And the Holy Spirit is able to take it and lead them to a saving faith. That's the way you pass your faith along. You embrace the faith. You exemplify the faith. You explain the faith. Dr. G. Campbell Morgan was the father of four sons. He was a a, a preacher, well-known preacher of his day. One day someone was visiting the family and they asked one of the sons, his name was Howard, and they said, among all your family, who's the greatest preacher? Well, Howard loved his father, had great respect for him, but without hesitation he said, my mother. And what he was trying to communicate was, she's had the greatest impact upon me when it comes to my faith, not the preacher daddy. But the godly mother who instilled her faith into the lives of her children. Now, finally, encourage the faith among your children. Mothers, encourage the faith among your children. I cannot overemphasize the importance of godly mothers in encouraging their children in the faith. Someone has written the following words reminding us of the urgency of encouraging our children while they are young. It's entitled, A Mother's Influence. I took a piece of plastic clay and oddly fashioned it one day. And as my fingers pressed it still, it moved and yielded at my will. I came again when days were past. The form I gave it, still it bore. And as my fingers pressed it still, I could change that form no more. I took a piece of living clay and gently formed it day by day and modeled with my power and art a child's young, soft, and yielding heart. I came again when days were gone It was a man I looked upon, 
He's still that early impression bore. And I could change it nevermore. Dear women, the influence you have on your children is primarily when they're young. If you wait till your children become teenagers before you decide you're going to teach them the ways of the Lord, I'm not saying that it's fruitless or hopeless. But I am saying this, your greatest impression on them will be when they're young. Start before they're born, praying for them, preparing yourself to teach them, and then live out from the very early stages of life when they're most impressionable what it means to be a godly person. How do you encourage your children? Well, you need to encourage them to accept Christ. And you don't force your children to accept Christ. You lead them. You talk with them. You explain the faith as Deuteronomy 6 pointed out. But encourage them to accept Christ. You encourage them to show allegiance to Christ. And this is so important because the world in which we live is filled with ungodliness. I mean saturated. And everybody's distracted from the things that are most important. And that's why it's so vital that you encourage your children to show allegiance to Christ. And then encourage them to advance in the faith. Encourage them to grow, maturing them, discipling them. You know who the first disciple of your children should be? You. You can disciple your children. These are fundamental practices that we must apply in our homes if we hope to raise godly children. If we do not follow these guides, then the likelihood that our children will become godly men and women is very small. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers who ever lived, said of his mother, I cannot tell you how much I owe to the prayers of my good mother. I remember her once praying, Now, Lord, if my children go on in sin, it will not be from ignorance that they perish. And my son and my soul must bear swift witness against them at the day of judgment if they lay not hold on Christ and claim him as their personal Savior. The most important thing you can do with your life, women, as godly mothers, is to pass along your faith to your children. Don't let anything distract you. And that's one of the ways that you're going to protect your home in the war against the family. Father, we thank you for these mothers here today. They do not have an easy task. They are vitally important to the family. We can look across our nation today and see many examples where the home contributed to the downfall of our culture. Help us, Lord, to start right here today to recommit ourselves to being the men and women we should be and passing along our faith to our children In Jesus' name I pray, amen.